You're listening to The Running Public. From marathoners to motor runners, we all have the same goal. Get to the finish line faster. That's right. This podcast is for you guys, The Running Public. You're drinking your fight milk today, Bracken. That must mean you're getting ready for something big. We are ready. I already hit the red button. I don't know if you noticed that. I surprised you. Well, welcome. Kurt, is it? Kurt? Kurt? No, it's it's Kirk. 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 I'll write that down. Yeah, nice nice to meet you, Professor Brackenstein. Dr. Brackenstein. Well, thank you for coming in today. Mm-hmm. Your, uh, your apparel is a little different than I typically see out of you. Yeah, I, I spruce up a little bit for the occasion. I want to set the right tone for where we go today. So I have, um, as you've noticed from recording over the past years, I have like five plaid checkered North Face fleeces of different colors. I typically wear one of those in the winter, right? You almost always know what you're getting with me. Correct. And for you, 90% of the time it's either a cutoff, a cutoff hooded sweatshirt, <laughs> or some, or a running public t-shirt. And today is something much different, and I, I don't know how I feel about this. I feel a little intimidated, but curious. Hmm. Go on. Tell me more. We're off to a good start. Well, you look pretty buttoned up today. You have these glasses on that make you look smarter than you are. Indeed. But also a little douchier than you are. <laughs> it's it's the classic douchey-smart combo. but Right in the sweet spot. Yeah, right in the sweet spot where I'll like talk to you and trust you, um, but I I also will val you know find value in your response. Mm-hmm. And then you have what would you call that a a metro jack sweater on? I feel it's as if I stepped off of a crab boat up in the Arctic Circle somewhere after several months, came in from the cold, showered, shaved, and put on my nicest fisherman sweater. I can't make it any more clear than that. Picture like it's cream color, is it? I think cream's fair, yes. A little bit of a popped collar, but not too much. Oh, it's just a, a raised, it's a quarter collar, maybe. Buttons the size of quarters. Big, thick, hefty buttons. Heavy, ribbed, vertical material, and it and it looks like... Like, you're trying to impress me or intimidate me. I can't decide, but you've very well put together is what I'm getting across, guys. And here I am with a backwards hat and my, my flannel on. Yes. Well, I mean, we're, we're playing a part today. It doesn't look like you're playing, Bracken. Well, I, I'm a method actor, Kurt. I slept in this last night. Did you call me Kurt again? Kurt? Is that Kirk? Kirk? Kirk, Kirk with a K, like Captain. Captain Kirk. I'll have to talk to my secretary about this. Mm. What's her name? Lisa. Lisa, all right. I'll have a word with her on the way out. Please do. She's delightful. So what am I doing here? (laughs) You, I think, get to tell me that, what you're doing here. Where we go from there is up to both of us, but you you came to me. I'm I'm going to break character for one one second here before I I can tell you're really embracing this and I love it. (laughs) For those of you who maybe haven't listened to recent episodes, this may seem peculiar, but... 
to fill you in a little bit more, our Friday uh, long run episode last week, I played the role of a therapist and spoke with Bracken about his relationship to running. And um, the tides have turned now. I-, I would say I was a much more relaxed, laid back therapist. Definitely didn't take myself as seriously um, with my apparel. But I have a feeling your level of dress code just means we're going to hit levels and layers of digging today that me and you didn't touch in our last conversation, Bracken. Yeah, I believe that the the apparel makes the man in terms of his position and rank, and I, I need to show up prepared for the job I'm I'm undertaking today. Have you ever heard the um the saying the hair makes the man? No. No. I've heard manners maketh man, but mm-hmm. but not hair. People don't say that around you. No. No, I, I hear often that God created some men with perfect heads and all the rest he covered up with hair. I don't know if that's true either. That's a, I'd, I'd keep that one in, in, in my back pocket if I were you. You have a very nice smooth head. It looks It's a, one of those good looking ones, yeah. I mean, we know why I don't have hair. It's my unnatural amount of testosterone. Do you know that is, I mean, it is true. That's probably why. Yeah. Yeah, male pattern baldness is directly linked. Not, It's not all bald men, but it's linked to higher testosterone. And as we've briefly touched, have we touched upon here at all? I am off the charts in terms of to the point where it's considered medically not viable to be this high without taking some sort of illicit drug or having a tumor. That's why sharing a bed with you traveling to races gets a little weird. I I just assumed you're hoping some of that would rub off on you. (laughs) So if I have a lot of hair, what does that say about me? Well, that's the thing. I, I think it's... It's a little bit along the lines of correlation, not causation, 100% of the time. But Mm -hmm. certainly, I fit the bill of of that being a causation for me. We will go right back into role-playing, which I know you love after this. But I did have a (laughs) – leave it at that. But I did have a client come in. He was uh, 48, 49, 50 and starting to bald. Mm Mm-hmm. He was like an Italian guy with thick curly hair, and he was starting to lose that all. And um, he came in for his consult with me, and that was his biggest thing is like, I need to get in shape, but I've delayed coming here for two years because I'm afraid that strength training will increase my testosterone and will cause me to lose my hair quicker. Um, And that was his big hang up with beginning a strength routine was the top of his head. Hmm. The real thing. Yeah, I mean, I can't, I can't fault him for that mindset. Mm-hmm. Speaking totally from personal experience, you're going to lose it either way. The quicker, the better. Yeah, that's fair. The quicker you get rid of it, the quicker everyone gets used to you looking like that, and then the quicker you stop aging. Yeah. You're just locked forever in that first initial I've gone bald stage rather than suddenly growing old in everyone's eyes. Get rid of it quick. And hanging on to the strands of hair you have left for way too long. Yeah. Would you rather go bald in your 20s, which I believe you kind of did, late 20s, or gray? There's a few that go full-on gray. I mean, I would be very, very salt and pepper right now if I had hair. Oh, you would? So I kind of had both happen. I don't know. Both are a look that you have to embrace. I don't think either are a cause for concern or consternation or shame anymore. I think that... If you embrace it and you own it, then it becomes a calling card rather mm-hmm. than 
a kind of like a, a scarlet letter. I've, you can tell the guys where you look at them and they have no no tolerance or confidence for what the hand they've been <laughs> given. Yeah. And others just just embrace it. I think that's the only way to go about anything in life is embrace your 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 hand you've been dealt and roll with it. I agree. Well, I'm gonna, I'm starting to go cinnamon and sugar, so I'll get back down that one. You'll go gracefully. Any any shade of red hair, red, orange, sandy, blonde, ages very gracefully. All right, well, I look forward to that. I look forward to being right there next to you mm, the entire time. All right. Well, I'm stalling now because, you know, the layers that we're going to uncover are going to be very uncomfortable or very delightful. That's okay. We're we're building a rapport right now. We'll be able mm-hmm. to transition into this with a little bit more of trust. Mm-hmm. I opened up on a sensitive topic of my own, and now hopefully that'll encourage you to feel safe doing the same. All right. Well, you're better than the uh, small, shriveled up, old lady therapist I envisioned in my dreams. You're you're much, much more than that, Bracken. So I'm, I'm delighted to be here today. Dr. Bracken. Well, thank you. Yep. I understand that this could be a difficult conversation to walk into. I also understand this is not the, the first time that you've you've requested a one-on-one couples therapy session. And so, you know, obviously you've been here before. The fact that you're back means you're still working on that journey. But if you have any preconceived notions having done this before, I think I think it's better to to start off in a place where it's easy for us to begin. You comfortable with that? Yeah, I just I want to say up front that I feel a little bit bad that I didn't bring my partner here today. I feel like maybe I'm going behind her back um, by not inviting her to this session, but I feel like I need to chat things out first before I bring her into the room as well. And she, she's kind of quiet. She doesn't say much. So, um, so that's more, more of the reason why it's just you and me today. I didn't, I didn't bring her with. I can appreciate that. Yeah. Well, let's start with something that I think everyone enjoys, which is a good story, a good falling in love story. I want to know your love story. Where, how did you meet? How did this relationship blossom? Take me back to your roots, your beginnings together. I'm upset that you had time to think about this. It's going to be really good. Um, <laughs> right, whereas... Just so we're very clear, I have no plan here. Okay, <laughs> I'm just BSing. Right. Um. My origin story with her, with with running, um, goes back to watching somebody else with running and trying to emulate that relationship. My father, when I was hmm. a kid, we would uh, he would leave for his runs after his work as an auto mechanic at Kmart. He would come home all dirty and grubby and worn out, but he would still get out, put his shoes on, and I would uh, I'd ride my bike alongside him. Side him. He seemed to really enjoy his relationship with running. So I watched that. That was shortly before he became a full-time taxidermist. He originated as an auto mechanic. So you had a positive example of what a relationship with running could look like, at least from the from the outside view of it. I did. It, it was something that happened no matter what else was going on in life for him. And then uh, once in a while, we had a, or every year, we had a big race called the Bellin Run, which is uh a 10K in Green Bay, Wisconsin, which actually attracts like 100,000 racers almost now and big names come in anyways. In its origin, in the 80s, um, my dad would run that and place in the top 20. And I got to watch him do that with the crowds, and that was exciting for me. And so I watched somebody else uh, 
with running and it was just it was a thing that was that relationship was there so that would be how i first became aware of her and and what then were your first steps together um well as a as a kid i would say it was uh natural it was all the kids in the neighborhood lived about four or five houses apart we were all friends but just far enough where walking wasn't efficient so we'd run over to each other's houses down the street for sure um took her for granted at that time didn't even think about it um well every child runs every mm -hmm. kid has grade school infatuations yeah most of them don't don't reach into your late 30s so what what no. was different from that from the start um what was different from the start the difference from the start was that i was terrified of not being good at it not being good at running not being as good as my dad was in a weird way he didn't put that pressure on me but not uh as solid i would say and so um when the time came around to potentially like compete and see if i was had a good relationship with running um i i skirted away from it because i was afraid of it believe it or not and um and then when i finally sir came to a race untrained i was very very nervous to uh to really like dip my toes into that relationship and when i did uh in my eyes i failed epically hmm. by getting crushed by others who had a who seemingly had a better relationship with running so i thought that was my introduction forgive me i'm going to take i'm going to take time to make a note here mm -hmm. i think we're going to have to get to that relationship with your father at some point but that's not currently <laughs> what i want to start on session one that that's fair let's save that for you it's a bit heavy three or four now generally men aren't quite as ready for relationships early on as 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 females are yeah. But you finally took a chance, jumped in, and in your own words, failed miserably. Do you think she would have considered this a failure on your part? No, I think she would have. She would have been. She would have been proud that I went out there and conquered my fear, which was, um, I was a shy young kid, so I didn't want eyes on me. So first of all, having eyes on you in that intense environment, there were hundreds of people there at this Hershey track meet. Um. And then knowing in hindsight, running knows whether you're trained or not. Running doesn't lie. And she knew I was untrained. And so I think she would have been proud that I went I went out there and did that in hindsight. Did that push you away? Sure. Did it push I you away for a little while or did you – how long until you circled back and were willing to put yourself out there again? Four years. Four years. And she waited there she was bracken she must have seen something in you she did she must have i uh she kept trying to bring me into her world sixth grade track and and cross country i was so nervous i couldn't even bear to to approach her seventh grade track cross country uh the, the coaches will say, I don't know, the matchmakers, we will say, tried to bring us together. And yet I was so nervous for competition and failing at it that I said no again. And then finally in eighth grade, four years after this Hershey track meet in fourth grade, maybe it was five years in between, um, I finally, finally succumbed to her advances. 
and and her uh, matchmaker's advances, heavy advances. At that age, world your oyster. No one's yeah. really sure of what they want, and everyone's a viable option. Mm-hmm. What did she see in you that made her wait? And why were there matchmakers around trying to always coax you two together? What did they see that you didn't? Oh, good question. I think I think these matchmakers saw um, saw something in me and other avenues in which involved a relationship with running, but the focus wasn't running. Like what? Such as soccer. Um, soccer, the ability to go, go, go and run people down and, and all of that. I didn't realize I was building a relationship with her, and I didn't intend to, but um, it was there. And then um, apparently the, uh, the matchmaker that is the FIED teacher and the, the matchmaker that is eventually my coach um, or our relationship counselor, we will say, um, spoke and, uh, and I, I had performed well, let's say, on our date together in gym class for a mile time trial and that uh, those, those two matchmakers wouldn't leave me alone about it. And so finally, finally I, I saw the writing on the wall and decided to give it a try. Some would say peer pressure, um, but that's where, that's where it began, I would say. But I was very reticent to get into a relationship with running, but mostly for the feel of, fear of failing, to be honest with you. Sometimes we need a, an appropriate push off the ledge. Mm-hmm. Now, did you... I don't know how far into the future we're fast-forwarding here. And so if this if this isn't where we want to be, we'll move on from it quickly. But how long did it take until you felt like you did bring something to the table in this relationship? Where you recognize your worth rather than just feeling pressured to stay in there because other people thought you were worth it? Well, uh, my first official date with running was the Hershey track meet in fourth grade and that uh, in my eyes, was a failure. She never called back, believe it or not, which left me devastated. My second official date with running was my first track meet in eighth grade. Mm-hmm. I put the moves on way too hot, way too early, Bracken. I went right in for the grand slam on date one, and and she 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 shoved me away and pushed me back, and the date ended in a fizzle. So bad, so that. I, uh, she, she walked away, I walked away, but I still had to come back and see her again the next day because I had practice, I told the coach I would be there, but I had an epic failure again where I, where I got out kicked severely and almost walked the last quarter of our date mm-hmm. in front of more people. But, uh, I was a people pleaser and, and our matchmaker was, uh, confident that, that we would be a good fit if I just gave it more time to develop. So I came back. And then and then after that failed official second date, we had a string of good dates, Bracken. Dr. Bracken, we had a string of good ones, like three or four, where I left feeling better about myself than worse afterwards. And, and people started recognizing that we, we might have had something good, sort of telling me that. And then, and then that made it feel okay to continue seeing her. How long until that that balance, that ratio switched from the higher percentage of 
reason for staying there was outside of the relationship until it was higher percentage that you brought to the table of staying there until your confidence, your self-belief. How long did that happen? How long did that take before it happened? That's a good question. Halfway there, it only took me about a month. I moved quickly in my relationship with running Bracken. Mm-hmm. I, uh, we went on a date and that date lasted five minutes and 11 seconds. But damn it, was it a good five minutes and 11 seconds. That was an eighth grade mile? It was an eighth grade mile. 5'11 as an eighth grader. I can understand why everyone wanted you to be together with running. Yep. So that got you halfway there. Got me halfway there. Um, And I realized even though I got, you know, there was somebody who had a better date than I did that day. And I watched him have it. Um, We had both had great dates. His date just lasted a second less than mine. But he was... He was the stud, right? He was the one all the the chicks wanted, all the running chicks wanted, you know. And I felt good about that. Um, And then to follow that up would be fast forward only about six months. And uh, I I had had another date with her on the biggest biggest stage um, to date at that time. And and on a very big stage in my small, small pond, um, I, I finished... Uh, finished very the date ended very well for me once again um and, and then it was it was cemented that uh that i think we were we were enjoying each other's company officially if i'm tracking this timeline if your first first real date was eighth grade track we're talking freshman year of cross country then yeah good, good you had memory. a very successful date, and that's when you started to believe in yourself as a runner uh, my date lasted two and a half minutes less than everybody else's date. So you won. You won your first cross-country race that mattered. Uh, yes, and, and then my second was uh, bumped up to a higher caliber of – it's like I upgraded girlfriends overnight. Well, you can speak frankly. You ran JV, you won it, and then you moved up to varsity. Uh, yeah, well, we're trying to – yes, I traded out girlfriends. Traded out a JV level girlfriend for a varsity level girlfriend, and um, I don't know and, if that analogy tracks. It doesn't, but just let's try here. Okay. <laughs> and uh, and uh, there, our first uh, big date with this new hot babe that I really had to impress was the the Green Bay City Meet, where the five Green Bay schools come, and and it's covered by local sports media. And I ended up on the podium. I took third place at the Green. Green Bay City running meet um, in front of a lot of people as a freshman, surrounded by upperclassmen. In fact, the video, my first date was videoed, and I look I look ridiculous compared to my competition with my bowl cut um, and my small stature. And so I can only think that I was very charming to have the date go so well. But that, that would be where it was cemented for me, um, solidified. Um, uh, a, a solid foundation, I feel like, was starting to develop a mutual, a mutual respect, at least at minimum, for each other. So, if we quantify that as the start of your adult relationship together, what year would that have been? Nineteen ninety-seven. So, how long have you two been together now? Yeah, I would say that was um, that was the day we became boyfriend and girlfriend, Bracken. Like September 16th, I think it was, 1997. So 
What does that make us? This will be your 25th anniversary this fall. Yeah, so we've been together for 20, 25 years, Bracken, through thick and thin. Well, that is a long time to, to be together. Yep. No one stays together that long on accident. It's true. And so before we dig into anything else, I want to know throughout this time, these past 25 years, what is the thing that you love most about your partner? That has been the thing, not, not necessarily at any one stage, because we have things that, we, that jump out at us at one stage or one yeah. week or one night. But for 25 years, what has been the single constant that you love about your partner? It's an easy answer, believe it or not. Generally is. She always grounds me and brings me back to center. No matter what else is going on with life, um, good or bad, whether I'm flying high or low, she she still grounds me. She keeps me humble. She keeps me honest, keeps me grounded. And I need that in my life for sure. So there are some people that I speak with who, not not to compare your relationship to others, but industry trends, so to speak. There are some people <laughs> I speak with that day-to-day is not their focus. They can look at it from a 20,000-foot view and be like, we had a great year. We had a great month. But they can't necessarily point to a day-to-day relationship. It sounds like you might be the opposite, where you have a daily relationship that adds up to weeks, months, years. Is that correct? Um. Yeah, I wish we could date on a daily basis. It's generally three or four times a week we get to spend time together. But um, without question, uh, she's she's infused in in most decisions I make every day. So how often do you get to see each other each week? We see each other roughly three or four times. Um, we run under the premise that you know distance makes the heart grow fonder. So we like to ration our time together so we we don't get sick of each other. Well, a lot of people like to say that. But what would perfect world, how often would you see her every week? I'd love to see her six days a week, but I'm, I'm making lemonade out of lemons here, Bracken. Dr. Bracken. I'm a connoisseur of lemons, Kurt. Mm. What are these lemons that are keeping you guys apart? When you cannot see each other, what are the things that are keeping you two apart? Uh, logistics, let's call it. Are we talking your job, her job? Are you talking time, space, physical ailments? What's, what's actually the reason that keeps you two apart? This is going to be tough to be metaphorical, but I don't think we should be metaphorical on this. I think it should be (laughs) okay. Physical, physical ailments and also learning from past mistakes with her. Both. I've I've learned that in the past, if we spend too much time together, um, there are signs in which we need a we need to space that out a little bit more for our own ha- for our, our happiness as a couple. So, um, physical ailments and then learning from past mistakes, spending too much time together. So when you spend too much time together, one of you tends to get hurt. Yes. Is that shared or is that one or the other? Who who tends to be the one who gets hurt? Well, I think I start it. I typically start the argument. Um, she's always ready and willing, Bracken. Always. But it's you. You're the one who breaks down. I'm the one, yep, who, who needs my space at times. I think this is important, this, this answer to this question that we're about to have here. So, so don't, don't 
rashly answer it. Think about it for a second. When you have these arguments, whatever it is that leads to this physical breakdown that causes you not to be able to spend as much time together as you'd like, Mm -hmm. do they seem to just come on out of nowhere or can you feel this coming on? I can usually feel it coming on. And do you do anything about it preemptively when you feel it coming on or do you tend to wait until something has to be done, until your hand's forced? So in the past, um, it's a great question, by the way, Doc. Um, in the past, I used to let these little things fissure, fissure and build and build and and build and not say anything or do anything about it. And then it would erupt in a huge argument of sorts. And it would be... It would be relationship ending, at least temporarily, until we could patch job the problems we had created. Um, And I've learned from those mistakes not to let it boil over and then come out in this raging argument, so to speak. And and so now when I feel the the urge of the the buildup begin, um, I address it right away. And, And that has seemed to stave off the big boil over arguments of physical ailments. If that makes sense. Well, it does. And and I think growth is outside of trust and communication. Growth is all you can ask for in a relationship. The fact that you've learned from your past injuries and hurts means that you are invested in moving forward. Yes, sir. However, you're still missing out on time apart. Mm-hmm. And no matter how well we learn from our past failures, the things that have hurt us in the past directly lay the groundwork for how we react to things today. Like those scars are still present, even if they're not visible. And so if if you're still unable to be together more than three or four times per week, and you'd still like six, mm-hmm. there usually still is some underlying unhealed scar tissue somewhere in there that's causing this. Now, historically, anecdotally, there's scientific evidence of, of, of different pieces of this, but it usually comes down to stride, to intensity, to volume or to footwear. Mm-hmm. The final piece is that you're just incorrectly put together and you're not meant to be doing this. So if you had to look back and decide currently with all I've done and all I want to do, are there still some places that could be addressed so that I could spend more time together? Do you see any low hanging fruit in there? Is there anything there? Yeah, there, 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 there definitely is there. And I believe it would be, um, uh, left, uh, more than anything, left side biomechanics. Um, I would say that whole chain could use some improving in our relationship. When did you first identify that or begin to think that maybe this is the issue I'm bringing to the table? Uh, my senior year of, of high school, actually, early on, four years into our relationship. So if we say this is your 25th year, for 21 years, you've lived with some sense of that knowledge. I have. I went to physical therapy. Therapy. It's therapy for, with running. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, was told uh, ball and socket joint to the hip down to the head of my tibia that uh, I had an, an inch inch more of bone on my left side than my right side between my femur and my tibia, which caused a rotation of my hips, caused a a 
bit of an awkward foot plant on my left side. So orthotics were the answer there. A lift on my right side of almost an inch mm. was the solution, which turned out to be a Band-Aid more than a surgery. Do you still use that lift? No, I do not. That lift, that lift was not... That was not helpful. When did you stop that physical therapy and using that lift, that orthotic? What year? The same year. The same year. So we've gone 20 years now. In those 20 years, this may seem like like I'm probing or attacking, but I really think that we both need to have this answered for us. Mm -hmm. In those 20 years, how seriously have you taken the process of fixing yourself in this area not very seriously bracken i've sort of sort of brushed it how serious is this relationship to you um it's as or more serious than the relationship has ever been but it can be maintained with less investment which makes it very comfortable okay looking back on the last 20 years how much time do you think you've lost to this relationship because of that left side Time with her, specifically? Yeah. Just strictly due to the biomechanical efficiency problem. Um, I have, in the last, since my senior year of high school, that would be 20, however many years ago, I have probably lost two and a half years, I would say, in total, roughly. And then I compromised... 15. <laughs> mm -hmm. If someone could put you in a time machine right now and bring you to the end of your relationship with running, and then you were presented with an offer of two and a half extra years of running, what would you be willing to give for two and a half more years once you've been shown that this is your last year? How, how valuable would that be to you? Probably invaluable. Mm -hmm. You see where I'm going with this? I'm tracking you, Bracken. You're doing, <laughs> yes. good, you're doing a great job. And so, being 37, staring 38 down the barrel this year. 38 staring 39 down the barrel. Oh, man, my secretary is dropping the ball here. Yeah. My apologies, Kurt. 38 <laughs> coming up on 39, knowing that your speed is most likely starting to decline at a top end. The elasticity is only going to get worse every year on. The fast twitch fibers are only going to fire less quickly every year this year on. Do you have a plan of attack for how you're going to honor this relationship with running, which is invaluable to you? Do you have anything on the table for how I'm going to address this left side? Or is it just going to be a we limit our time together so we can absorb every second together that we have? Um, the the latter uh, has been my approach um, as of as of late. Uh, the the thing with the relationship, and here's my I'm going to justify why we are the way we are. Um, <clears throat> you know, there's those couples out there, Bracken, who need feel the need to project to the world that they are happy. Mm -hmm. And by posting on social media all the time and and singing the praises of their lover far too often, most of the time I feel like those relationships are 
those are band-aid posts to fix something that's broken in their relationship or to mend a, a problem. Not all the time, but oftentimes those those relationships are the ones that are actually struggling. I feel lucky in the fact that I I don't feel the need to see her all the time to be happy as a human because I have other relationships that need filling too. So this doesn't weigh heavy on me, but when we talk about having the best relation po- relationship possible together, I'm for sure for sure neglecting areas of our relationship to make it better and filling filling that time with other other relationships that I enjoy outside of her. And so I don't actually think about that aspect of our relationship that often, although I should if I want it to be the best it can possibly be. Does that make sense? It does. Now, a phrase I like a lot is comparison is the thief of joy. Mm. But usually I'm speaking to someone who is comparing themselves in a negative light towards a prime example. But you're using it to say that the prime example is the negative and you are the good example. But I think that inherently brings its own issues right. with it, where you're, you're saying mm-hmm. that relationship, the louder you have to tell me about something, the less I'm likely to believe you about that. Exactly. Yep. Those people that just brag yep. about everything. But I wonder if you're not still, you say you don't think about it too often and you don't regret it, but, but I wonder if that's true. If there are types of runs you avoid, either consciously or subconsciously, or types of efforts you avoid, or types of training that you avoid because you know it could exacerbate that kind of underlying problem. Are there some things, if you look deep enough, that you still would prefer to be able to do but are kind of using your own Band-Aid in a way with your your time apart? Um, yeah. Yeah, sure. What would an example of that be? Whether it's a race or a training style or a workout or anything that you've intentionally had to avoid because of this? Well, I think I prefer running. I prefer her over other relationships with friends, mm-hmm. other friends, um, like like my my friend the assault bike or my friend um, the weight room even or, or my other friend the cross country skis. Mm-hmm. Um, but so if I could spend more time with her, and were given the option, I absolutely would, because I do prefer my time with her more than others. I think I justify it because I enjoy time with my friends too. Mm-hmm. And so if I can't hang out with her, although she would be my first choice, the Constellation Prize isn't so bad. And so I think I rationalize spending less time together because thankfully for me, I I enjoy other relationships. But when it comes down to it, I could be investing more so that I could spend more time with her. I I believe that. Yeah. I don't want to harp on this subject for too long, but there is one last way of looking at this that I'd like to kind of explore together. And that is that the things that announce themselves early on and then go away when you're in your best version of your routine are the things that re-announce themselves when the body starts to go. Mm-hmm. either through aging or through injury or through anything that the things that we keep under control are under control when we're at our best. 
Sure. So maybe at 37, 38, 39, they're under control. And suddenly at 49, three, four days a week doesn't cut it anymore. Now it's one, two days a week because everything slides on the same scale. Does that make sense? Makes perfect sense. So like the, 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 the idea of where you're at totally fills your cup or comes close to the top. But that place you're at isn't guaranteed to stay there. Mm-hmm. Is there some sense of urgency that that idea applies to you? Thinking down the road a few years before my relationship is due to be done, that I could be at a reduced capacity again if this isn't addressed? You know what I'm thinking about the entire time you're talking? Hmm. Is I'm feeling guilty. Why is that? Or about what? I was hardly listening to what you were saying. Really? Not not because I'm sure it wasn't profound, but I'm just starting to feel a little reflective, Bracken. And I'm just thinking like like running, she's always she's always been there for me. She always gives me back. She always gives me back as much or more than I put into her. She is my preferred way to spend my time. I'm without question. Mm-hmm. Um but I haven't really I don't know if I've I've She's been so willing and, and ready, and I don't know how much, and I haven't fought, I would say, fought for more time with her, maybe, whereas that's all she wants is more time with me. That's not such a bad relationship problem to have, your partner to want more time with you. No. And vice versa, really, but I haven't fought for it. I've divided attention a little bit too much amongst my friends, I think. And so I'm just thinking of her sitting there being like, I'm here, you idiot. Why are you choosing these other things and not doing what it takes to be together more? So it's feeling... The question is, at some point, will she still be waiting there? How long will she wait? That's where my brain is going. Exactly. Okay, so let's let's just kind of riff on this. Well, I want to. I want to open up about this now, now that we're getting... You're peeling back the onion a little bit. My father... We want to get back to him. Wow. Usually usually people don't volunteer this. My father <laughs> piece. <laughs> well, my father, um, my, my father, I watched his relationship with running now for the last 35 years anyways, as old as I was to retain memories. And, you know, he, he took the relationship for granted. Um, I would say maybe his entire life. She was always there, and she, he knew it, and she took it. He took that for granted. Now that I think about it, and and he hasn't seen running. They haven't been together now for fifteen years, because he stopped investing, and she stopped it. Stopped waiting there for him. And yeah. now, when he tries, it's it's too broken to fix, and and so in in the ailments of hips and knees and and uh, all sorts of other things, lower back. So I've watched the very thing that you're talking about happen with my father, and here I am potentially following in his footsteps. Well, we are the creation of our own father. You know, it's on mm-hmm. us to, to do anything to break that mold if needed. Yeah. You know, you make me think of my own father, and I only bring this up because there's a pertinent example at the end of this that I feel applies to us here. But he, my father is 65 now. And plays basketball with me in the mornings with the coaches and the teachers in the district. And he's 15 years older than anyone on the court, but moves as well or better than the vast majority of them. And he has taken care of his ability to still move. However, 
he separated his shoulder nine straight weeks his senior year of college as a as a quarterback and took cortisone shots nine straight weeks and he had a a whole string of other injuries but the most consistent was to his throwing shoulder it's given him more and more trouble over the years and for the last two years he's pretty sure that something is torn there to the point where it needs surgery because there are times he just can't use his right arm in any sort of upward motion Mm -hmm. but he knows a few people who have gone through the surgery and have taken 12 13 months to recover and it didn't take Mm -hmm. they still weren't better and his fear is i'm going to give up a year and be right back where i am but now watching him on the court he has a full abled body and he now has to, has transitioned to shooting left-handed mm. because he can't use his right shoulder. And so his fear of not taking care of the issue in the moment because then he misses out on everything has led to him partially living. He's still living his everyday life. He's still working out. He's still playing basketball. But when you're forced to shoot left-handed and you have to pass up certain shots on the court because you can't do it left-handed the way you would have right-handed, are you actually living? Mm-hmm. When we could all look at him and say, two years ago, you should have got it done because you'd be back to full health by now and you'd be playing right-handed and taking every shot you'd prefer. It's easy to look back at that and say, but what's hard to do is to look forward and say what the thing is that you'd look back on and regret. But I'm going to ask you to do that. Let's say that you follow in the footsteps of your dad and you know it's the left side. Are there things like, is this just your lot in life or are there things that you could actually do to mitigate some of these issues? Uh, it's a tough question. I, I think I think that the tough part about where her and I are at in our relationship is that I am young enough where when we close the bedroom door, performance still matters. It matters a lot. Now, I understand that performance behind closed doors can decrease as you age. And so... There's a game to play in which do I take what I can get now at the potential detriment to my our future performances together? Mm-hmm. Uh, or do I just live in the moment and suck the life out of it and enjoy every moment we can get together for fear that a long break may have us redefining our relationship when we return together? And so... Will I be able to still be that man that I know I can be because Father Time has has grabbed a hold of our relationship? Do you understand what I'm saying? A hundred percent so. And you are not wrong or alone in any of those things you just said. Yeah. I'd say it's the most common fear is that this is going to fade anyways, and so I must milk it now so that later when it doesn't matter— I can look back on what I had and I can promise you no one ever gets to that point where their younger self projected them not caring about performance anymore and no longer cares about performance. Mm-hmm. It still matters just as it's still just as important to the relationship. Even if you both know at that point that it's going to look different, the option, the choice of being able to is what matters. Right, And so we look and say, like I look and say, before I had my knee surgeries, listen, when I'm 45, 50, 
I'm not going to be running for elite podiums anyway, so it's not going to matter. And then I look and I see 45, 50-year-old people that I grew up competing with, and it still matters to them every bit that it used to. And I think, yeah, oh, my goodness, it doesn't change. We never feel our age. Yeah, I can see that being the case. So do you think that you have that the option for making this better requires that you give up your quote-unquote prime? I, d- I don't. Um, I think there will come a day in which that 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 tough conversation will have to be had between us. Mm-hmm. Um, but it right now I feel stubborn enough in which I don't want that tough conversation to be today. So um, that comes back into, I guess, investing in in the little things, which I'd love to be one of those proud husbands over here saying that I invest in our relationship and do all the little things, the notes on the way out to work, the, you know, the, the small nothings whispered in her ear, the time I take to do the things that make her feel fulfilled and happy. But I I think I've gotten comfortable in our relationship and have not invested as much in the little things anymore and and even so much as three years ago two years ago we were able to go on dates five or six days a week and it was lovely and so this recent um this recent sort of lag in an amount of time together is somewhat newer to me even though we've had our injury troubles in the past and so now it's really starting to set in especially with this conversation like this this has been a theme now for since 2000 and early 2020. So we're going on two full years of not seeing each other as often as we'd like. So, Which feels like a long time. But if you were to plot these out as dots on a chart, and then you had to draw a line connecting all of these, would you be trending flat and stable? Or over the course of the, your career, would you be trending down? If you had to be totally honest with yourself, in terms of frequency spent training and the things that set you back a day or two. Have you hit a stable period or is this potentially, if you look back 10-year view rather than two-year, is this a downward trend? Hmm. In our early 20s, we spent three or four days a week together by choice. Hmm. There was nothing holding us back from seeing each other. It's what we chose to do. Because we both enjoyed time with friends and other relationships we had. And then along came uh, Spartan Race and caused me to want to spend more time with her. And that wasn't until 2016 when our relationship got significantly improved for four years. Significantly improved um, as far as quality time together. And then in the last two now it's it's taken a it's it's probably trajected downhill okay yeah does that does that answer your question yeah i think it does you went from choosing three to four dates per week to choosing six dates per week down to three to four is what is required is required the right word three or four is what we're allowed allowed okay yeah okay yeah so one of the times I felt most optimistic for your relationship from the outside to interject my own feelings into this. Didn't we just meet today? 
I, th- I keep track of people in your sphere. Uh, you don't even know my name. It's Kirk. That's what I'm saying. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Kirk Duent. Okay. Was after you had a conversation with another therapist, funny enough, and that was um, Dr. Richard Diaz. Okay. And he invited you, and you accepted verbally, the opportunity to go out and work on your form, your foot strike, your cadence, your your mechanics of movement. But I never heard anything else about it after that. Is that an opportunity you took, or is that one that you decided against? That is an opportunity that still weighs heavily on me that I never took. Um, that that therapist, uh, Richard Diaz, reached out to me and offered his help. Um, and then I went on to have um, my break, first breakout season in 2018, our first real run at this relationship. And I thought, I don't, I don't need any help. Things are going great. I have three top five finishes in U.S. National Series dates. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I'm running as much as I care to. And I, I lost track of that offer. But I think it's a good offer. Do you think that it would be beneficial to not only you today, but you five years from now, 10 years from now in your relationship? I do. Do you think it's one of those, it sounds good, but I really don't believe those kind of things help me? Or is this one of those, I know it could help, I just haven't got around to it? I know it could help and I haven't prioritized it. Now you came here alone and I respect that. But if you had come with your significant other... What kind of look do you think she'd be giving you right now? Her hands would be crossed. Mm-hmm. Her arms would be crossed, and she'd be looking over at me like, you effing idiot. I told you so. She's got a mouth on her, huh? She's got a sailor's mouth on her. She really does. I could see that. She likes to listen to um, a lot of like uh, rap and alternative music when we hang out together. So I know she's she's got a tongue. She's got a vocabulary. Vocabulary. Okay, so let's 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 envision that she were here with us today, because I think we're getting to the point where we have to start making some, yeah, some inroads towards having her here next time, and and I think kind of miming some of those conversations now will make it easier the next time you have to do it. Less thought, more of focusing on delivery. We'll get the bad takes out now and deliver it better next time. Can, can I can I pay you a compliment, Doctor? Always. Always. You're really getting me thinking over here, Doc. That's all we can ask for. Something I've something I've shoved in the closet for a while to make my relationship better. And so you you are legitimately getting my wheels turning over here. Well, you're legitimately going to pay for it. It's uh, <laughs> I, I don't come cheap, Kurt. So so the bill is in the mail. All right. I guess we didn't talk about pricing. No. Well, right. it's it goes without saying. It's it's hefty. Well, Doctor Diaz isn't cheap either. So. Be respectful of that. Who knows? I, I, I shouldn't ever speak for another another clinician. Let's say that running were here today with you. Let's envision her on the left of you right now. All right? I envision her on my right, but... Let's put her on your right. Okay. I'd like you to look at her and explain to her why you haven't addressed your left side. Hmm. And the reason I asked for her to be on her left is so you would put your most vulnerable side towards her rather than kind of hide it behind you as you look over to the right towards her. But well, That's a good idea. Let's do that. Okay. So okay. put that 
weak, emaciated, shriveled, disfigured left side. Let her see all your ugliness and, and, and explain to her, honey, this is why I haven't made the time to work on the one thing that might be leading to us spending less time apart. Because I have not made the time by choice, which is an unacceptable excuse because I've I've allowed other selfish ambitions to often take diluted priority over our relationship. I've lost my focus on us at times um, and put that focus in less productive places. I've navigated uh, some personal struggles outside of you in which made me lose my deep understanding of our relationship temporarily until I was only later to realize how important it was. And I think, um, I think I'm making a bunch of excuses here. That's what I'm doing. Will you permit me some honesty here? Yes, please. Bullshit. I'm calling bullshit on this. Now, it sounds beautiful. It's wonderful bullshit. But I believe that that's the answer you give right now when we're getting our bad answers out of the way. Hmm. I don't think she's going to take that as the compliment you intend it to be. I think that she knows that that's surface level explanation. The same way that I knew when I saw a doctor last week and they said, well, you know, you prioritized your family over your training. And I knew, you know what? That sounds nice and shined up, but I know it's bullshit. Hmm. And I came to realize for the first time while talking to this doctor that I could truly admit that I was afraid of doing everything right and being exposed for not being adequate. Mm. That that excuse was a shield for me. It was armor. And so I would ask that even if you don't let it out here, by the time she's here next time and you're ready to talk to her, that you have the actual ugly reason for why you haven't done it yet. It's fair. I'm going to have to really do some soul searching there, doctor. And I don't want an answer mm-hmm. if it's not the answer. So I accept a question mark for now. I am I am seeing, you know that flat line when people's heart stops beating mm-hmm. on the projector? That's what my mind looks like right now as I try to figure this out. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I'm sure there's an answer. I know the feeling because I have tendencies. I have tendencies that I say, all right, tomorrow, no matter what, I have to get this done because I know it matters. And Mm -hmm. seven days later, it's still not done. Like I know that feeling of I don't know why I didn't do it. But eventually, the why is there. It might take a day or a week or a month to figure out why didn't I? Mm -hmm. And I'm okay with you not having the why right now. I mean, I'm giving right, right excuses, of course, really is what they are, but. And they're all part of it. Like, like your explanation of, of not wanting to invest or potentially holding back from, because even if you do everything right and you still fail, that is the ultimate um, disappointment. I don't feel even remotely that way, to be honest. And so that one does. So. I'm trying to sort it out. That's a really good question. I, I don't have a go-to. I really don't. And now I'm like now it's bothering me. But I'm sure there's something. You know when that's gonna come to you? When I'm running. 
Yeah. On a run. <laughs> yeah. And that's probably appropriate. That's probably the best time for it to hit you because mm-hmm. then you'll know it's true. Yeah. We can say some things while sitting on the couch that sound good in this safe little cocoon of feelings we have going around here, but it rings true out on the trails. What I think I have done is I think that I have gone to voodoo doctor therapists ever since we've had relationship problems and just wanted Band-Aids slapped on everything. Quick, temporarily fixes that required no effort by me and all the effort by somebody else. A therapist like you to solve all our problems when I just have to sit here, really. And I haven't, I, I haven't taken any ownership over it. I've allowed it to be in other people's hands, going to see my therapist every week. But that wasn't fixing anything. It was just slapping another Band-Aid on a, on a wound that's never going to heal. And so I definitely can go there knowing that I, well, if, if he can't fix me or I'm still injured, it's not my fault. It's his, it's his fault that I'm, I'm not getting better. I'm doing everything I can by seeing him. I know that's true. Kurt, I have daughters. I don't know if you're aware of that. I have two young daughters and I have one young son. And one thing you find out as a parent is that when people talk about, oh, that's just a Band-Aid, I don't think they truly understand the power of that statement until they have kids because that's just a Band-Aid. We think about it in terms of it stops the bleeding temporarily, but it doesn't fix the cut. Yeah. Eventually, you come to realize the kids don't even care about that. The Band-Aid is the painkiller. They see the blood. The blood causes them to feel hurt. Oftentimes, they don't even know they're injured until they look down, they see the blood, and then they start crying. And eventually, the, in their mind, it becomes, I just need the Band-Aid so that I don't hurt. It stops even being about a temporary fix. It just is temporary peace of mind. And so the Band-Aid analogy goes even deeper that eventually we're going there just to give us permission to train again. Yep. And we've even gone past the part of trying to heal it. We just want that quick little, oh, I'm fine now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's absolutely, that's absolutely true for me. Because you say, I say, well, running, I've done every, I throw my hands in the air. I've done everything I can to make this relationship the best I possibly can. And what have I, I really done is I put our relationship in somebody else's hands and have done absolutely nothing. Looking for a magic pill. Band-Aid. That I that I have that that I definitely am am coming to realize as we're chatting. This would probably be a good stopping point, but I like to kind of end with a little bit more whimsical conversation rather than mm. like we should kind of fade out rather than just abruptly stop. Like we need a little aftercare, you and I. So let's I, just say, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to tell you that I respond really well to analogies. Mm. Just something to keep in mind if we have future sessions. I, I think that that we could probably work a few of those in. I have an affinity for those. I, I truly enjoy a good analogy. Okay. Let's say that this was your holy grail, that it's not shoes because you've tried shoes. It's not intensity because you've played around with polarized training and different intensities. It's not terrain because you've tried all types of terrain. And I guess I don't know the inner workings of your life, but let's just say all those things. Let's say it really just is a mechanical 
breakdown somewhere in your stride that's causing you to impact the ground in a way that's suboptimal mm-hmm. and puts a just a chain reaction of stress up your legs until it gets to the one point where it can't be contained and that's where something goes wrong. So let's say it is a, a mechanical issue. What is worst case scenario there? Let's say that you didn't want to give up on your season, but you were committed to improving your mechanics long-term. I'm not going to take a a week or a month or a year away from running and just never run again until it's perfect. But what, what would that look like? Is there anything that you would be risking by going and seeing an expert, having some takeaways and then implementing them? What do you think that process would look like? And is there, is there an actual downside to it? Um, you're asking best case scenario or worst case, best case scenario. Maybe best case scenario is the wrong term, but let's just say if we look at this optimistically with stars in our eyes, that this is possible and we can do it because we're, we're not totally sure yet if that's the issue, mm-hmm. but let's just say it is and that it's fixable. What do you think someone would prescribe you? Like, is there something in there about the actual process that's holding you back? What do you think would be prescribed and what do you think it would do to your day-to-day training and racing this year? I, I don't think that I don't think that working on things together, going to a professional and then doing prescribed homework could negatively impact our relationship. I, I, I don't see that even currently. I think what it what it would take would be um, it would me take me to in, in, to make the decision to invest time to do my homework. Hmm. I think I think where it falls on me is I've stopped trying to find the right therapist. Maybe I found him today. I don't know, but the right physical therapist. I, I don't know if I just stopped searching. If I, but but it would look very similar. It would look you know. There was a period of time when running and I were having problems and I went and I saw a therapist and he didn't give me, he didn't give us magic. He didn't give us anything. He gave me three things to go home and do every day. Three things took 15 minutes, do it twice a day. What's a half an hour that coincidentally was the, uh, the, the best season I probably had to date still. All I did was invest. What is that? Three, 30 minutes a day. I waste more than 30 minutes a day now doing who knows what. So um, I think it's taking ownership about starting that process of getting help together. But you think you could do it concurrently with also going after your performance goals for this year and beyond? Yes, in my heart I do believe that. Yes. Okay. Now you mentioned cost before, which is always a concern with anyone that one therapy session leads to 10 and then it leads to depending on it. I think three is probably the minimum. If we're just looking at building out a budget for this one to go identify obvious flaws, low hanging fruit, go home, work on it. A second one to assess what the work has done and then go beyond surface level. Now that we've cleaned up the low hanging fruit, find out what's truly remaining in there and then a third to confirm that you're on your way towards fixing it Mm -hmm. so three of those sessions you're probably going to need if you don't have them already mirrors by your treadmill so that you can self-identify what's happening and and have in the moment course corrections on your stride and outside of that i don't know if there's a whole lot more possibly orthotics Mm -hmm. so let's say orthotics 
mirrors and three sessions plus travel. What do you think that cost would be that you're looking at? And I'm not leading the, the witness here. I'm truly curious. Like, what do you think is the investment there? $5,000 in actual money. Sure. And honestly, that sounds high to me, but I guess you would know more than me. For travel, for somebody's time, for high quality mirrors. Um, I've spent, now be careful, I've spent exponentially more than that on our relationship and trying to fix it in the last three years. I've spent four times that, five, six times that in some capacity. I've spent a lot. In medical and other corrective practices, you've spent $30,000 in the last three years on fixing your left side. Mm, for sure, 20, maybe maybe okay. 25. Yep. I didn't expect such a stark example, but I mean, that's... Mm -hmm. But again, that's going to somebody and asking them to wave the magic wand. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Taking two and a half hours out of my day to drive somewhere, get it done, and come back. Well, I really lay there and do nothing. You know, that would be the type of, when I believe in, in this therapist, but beyond that, I hadn't taken, taken ownership. Yeah. And I, I don't say that to discredit anyone you've worked with, but the idea that if they're waving a wand at you for the cost of 20, uh, let's call it 7,000 a year, you might be able to wave it yourself for a one-time $5,000 fee. Oh, yeah. You couldn't put a price tag on, you can put a price tag on solid, you know, cementing a relationship stronger than it, the relationship stronger than it current is. That's not an, that's not even really an issue to me, to be honest. Well, it's an issue if it happens and then goes away and you're right back where you were. Correct. It's a non-issue if it buys you years and time together. Because what what does every wealthy person say towards the end of their life? I've bought everything I could, but you can't buy more time. Mm -hmm. Some people can buy happiness. Money does grease the groove towards happiness. It, it It makes doors open for you, but time is that one thing you can never get back. Well, you tell me, since you're a therapist, what is a... What does a weekend couples therapy retreat cost? I mean, it depends on services rendered. <laughs> Let's. I'd have to imagine. I would have to imagine a couples therapy four day extended weekend accommodations travel are going to cost five thousand dollars. If if it's one of these hoity toity type deals, right? So maybe it certainly could. There are always ways around that road tripping, staying in a Motel 6 rather than the all-inclusive stay and play. But but yeah, either way, there will be there will be a cost associated. Mm -hmm. There's always a cost associated. Yeah. Well, that's nothing that I'm terribly concerned about. It's more, it's more making the decision, right? Mm -hmm. It's more just making the decision. That simple. It can make time, right? Right, make time now so you have more of it later in a sense, right? Well, we can always. Yeah, we always can. Mm -hmm. Moving forward, regardless of what you do in terms of addressing your left side, it's not going to change the fact that you have a system in place and that system has led to success and you have a relationship that is viable for you and is rewarding. So what does that relationship look like right now for you? In the hindsight of 25 years of being together, how would you rate your relationship as a whole? An overall 
cumulative grade? Me and running in general as a whole. In general, just a relationship. Take performance out of it. Just your bond together. I mean, our bond is strong, man. It may not sound like it, but when I think about how much I value it, when I compare it to other relationships I have, I mean, it's if it's not a B plus or an A minus, just with how solid I feel like we we always still come back to each other through thick and thin, right? Through good times and bad. Um, so I, I'm gonna give it a I'm gonna give it a high grade. Well, again, I want to reiterate that comparison comparison is the thief of joy. Everything is relative. Your mm-hmm. small problems feel the same as someone else's small problems. Your big feels the same as their big. Even if you would look at each other and be like, that's not small or that's not big. Mm-hmm. How it feels to you is how it feels to you. And everyone's going to have those problems. But from my perspective, someone who's going out of their way to plan to quali- quality three to four days together, making sure that they get it having no wasted time, getting away for trips and races and prioritizing $7,000 a year of just maintaining the relationship. That's a high flyer relationship. It feels like it to me. One solid grade. What is it? It's an A. It's an A. Yeah, it really is an A. Perform. I mean, we're not talking performance. We're talking just the foundation of our love for each other. It's an A. I really believe that. Now, if I asked her that same question, what would she say? She probably feels like she gives a little more than she receives. So we've had some good times. We continue to do so. What's the lowest she would grade it? Absolute worst. If you said, man, there's no way she could give me lower than a blank. A D. A D. (laughs) You would give yourself that much wiggle room. Absolutely. Just your bond. Just your bond, your relationship. We're not talking performance, just you two Mm. as a couple. Things got a little cloudy for us this summer. Again, I don't want to isolate a period in time. I want to say 25 years of relationship. If someone had to judge the movie at the end of the movie, not on one given scene, Mm. what are they giving you? And she's the critic. Mm. A a B at worst. I mean, I think... I think there's been a little, I think there's more I could do for her, but I, you know, the whole with work with what you've got. And again, that's an excuse, but I feel like she would recognize that to some extent, but probably still felt feeling a little unsatisfied. So I would say a a B. Well, we're generally our own harshest critic. And if you can't score yourself worse than a B, if your combined score between her perspective and yours is high B, low A, I think that speaks to the the true power that your relationship has. Yeah. So congratulations. I I don't say that to everyone. We don't leave a congratulatory note on everyone's door (laughs) when we get to this point in the conversation. I myself would score lower than that. So you should be proud of the relationship you two have cultivated. Yeah, you know, but it does make me feel a little silly and a little guilty, like I said before, because if if it's that good with what I would call like minimal investment at times like you can always give more if you choose to you can always invest more if you choose to it i stand by it that i believe it's all about the little things like 
the house and the yard and the car and the kids and the dog, those are all the, the big things. That's just going out for your run every day. That's, you know, but those little things that I talk about or like that I hinted at, I think that we're lacking, you know, the framework and the foundation is there, but what's being, when it comes down to the details, right? When you really start looking at the architecture, there's some, there's plenty of room for, for it to get better. If you dig deep enough, almost nothing holds up to intense scrutiny. But what I would caution you, if there was one takeaway from this session, I think it would be that I would not want you to lose that feeling of, uh, when you're thinking about the things you've done for that left side, but at the same time, not let that feeling affect your pride of your actual relationship itself. Mm -hmm. We'll always have that one thing we need to work on, but it doesn't change the fact that you should walk out of here with pride of having a relationship that most people would aspire to. Keep that hunger to fix that, uh, but also take some pride in what you have. It's a good relationship. I agree with you. We're happy together. We really are. But as you said, are there always things to work on or could you be happier together? The answer is usually probably so, right? You almost don't need this question asked, but for the, sen- the sake of consistency, I will. Rate, rank your, rate your performance now. Mm-hmm. Independent of your relationship, your performance as a runner. How would you rank that? A B. A B. A B because um, I know what I, I know what I, as, as maybe when this was talked about between you and me last week, I, I, in my heart, know where my ceiling is and believe I have at times come closer, reached it. Um, and it, and coming back to not spending as much time together as we need to, I think that's what's holding me, holding me back from, you know. Some would say a B, some would say tier three, tomato, tomato, right? Hmm. It, uh, it could, it could be better for sure. Yeah. I've had hints though. I've had A's and I've had C's and it's averaged out here to a, to a B, maybe a B minus being honest. You know, what's very interesting about this, Kirk, if you look at the two of us and our scores, that pattern holds true across the majority of people in this life that the higher you rate your day in day out consistency the more likely you are to downgrade your performance hmm. whereas the lower you rate your day in day out consistency the the more likely you are to overvalue your performance interesting because the athlete who's inconsistent is always exceeding expectations sure even if the even if the result is lower than what they should have had, it's higher than maybe what they earned. Whereas the athlete who puts it in day in and day out and really prioritizes the relationship can't help but to have loftier expectations and to get closer to their ceiling. And the closer you are to your ceiling, the harder it is to pop a race every time. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of you're a victim of your own success in some ways. Yeah, that makes a little bit of sense. Whereas the inconsistent athlete, if they were given your career, might rate themselves higher performance than you rated yourself. Right. Because the perspective and what you felt you put in directly impacts the way you look at what you got back out. Yeah. 
You, we all know those days when the relationship feels bulletproof. The days you are so in love, right? Mm-hmm. The days you are so in love and there is not a problem in the world. Everything is right. And then you go out with your friends, a big group of people, and you have a, a little bit of a tuffle. You disagreement and you, you guys just aren't yourselves together in that environment. And it's very disappointing because you're like, that's not us. That's not us. And here we are having a little tension amongst our peers in which I know what we're really like, you know. And so why did that have to be that way? And once in a while, I have those days with running. It's like, why? Why? And so that, that's, where, that's where you leave, leave a little bit of room, I think, for improvement. That, that makes sense. That was a weird analogy, but. It's all right. I, I feel ready to give you my analogy for the day. Oh, oh good. This is going to get you your tip. <laughs> mm-hmm. The the analogy I have for this is that performing in races is like winning the lottery. In that you're receiving something back when you pop a race that is not in direct correlation to what you put in. So let's say I play the lottery one time and I win. And you play the lottery every single day of your life and you win. I'm going to have a much bigger return on my investment, but who's going to value the win more? Mm -hmm. However, if I don't win and you don't win, but I get a $200 minor payout because I hit a couple of the, the boxes along the way, I'm going to be like, man, that was pretty awesome. And if 20 times throughout your life, you get a $200 payout, it's going to feel like a pittance. It's going to feel very less weighty to you because you've spent 35 years paying in every day to occasionally get $200, but you never got the big payout. So while I'm going to be happy with a $200 win because I haven't invested much, your $200 wins aren't going to feel like much, but that lottery is going to be the ultimate payoff. And you're going to be less likely to go broke and bankrupt off it seven years down the line. Mm-hmm. Whereas I'm, I'm going to fit that, that 70% figure, I believe it is, of people that go bankrupt afterwards. And so you have to put your performances in perspective with what you've put into it as well. That's a good analogy there, Dr. Brackenstein. I like that one. Very true. I think that a lot of that echoes truth. Yep. I also think that it's going to feel like I hit the lottery when, when you have to pay your invoice you're going to get for this session. Oh, we've we gone way over time here, my friend. What are we, what are we talking here? Can you just, just rip the Band-Aid off since we've been talking oh. about Band-Aids? Where I mean, I don't get out of the bed for anything less than four figures for a session. Wow. That's why I'm the therapist to the stars, Kurt. Mm. That's why you had to pull your bachelor strings to get in here. My number's not listed. That makes sense. And how many sessions do you think? Do you think it's going to take? Now, I'm not a greedy man. I'll stick to my three. Okay. One, to go surface level, identify some low-hanging fruit. One, after you've worked on it, to really find out what's underneath. And then one, to confirm that you're ready to spread your wings and fly on your own. So I'm going to have to pay between, let's say, three and six grand for you. And then I'm going to have to pay five grand for my therapist that I'm going to have to travel to. So this will be this will be a financial pursuit, but hopefully worthwhile, huh? It's an upfront investment. And then the gravy train rolls. And then about $5,000 on shoes. 
That's a given. Yeah. There are some exciting 2022 <laughs> offerings coming out. I can commit to 15 grand in the hole for running. As we leave this session, mm. I'd like a few action points for you. First here, I need you to turn to your theoretical partner on the left of you mm-hmm. and give her three compliments. Hmm. We've had some negative clouds overhanging a majority of our conversation that have some guilt associated with it. And I'd like to dispel some of that guilt. So three genuine compliments. Take your time and let her know. Mm -hmm. There is nobody else in the world that makes me feel as alive as you do, without question. There is nobody else in the world that is as good of a therapist as you are. Sorry, Bracken. That's okay. And there's nobody else in the world that causes me to make better decisions outside of our relationship to foster this one, making me a better person. So thank you. Those were good. I appreciate the thought that went into those. You're welcome. It's easy to just give platitudes there, but you didn't. Now, I would usually say three because it's a good number, but I would like to start with one tangible promise you're going to make to running. And not just a general promise, a I want performance to still matter to me past the time when I expect it to. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what your time frame is, but it doesn't matter. Think of when you expect performance to no longer be a, an important factor. And now let's extrapolate another five to 10 years down the road. And I want you to tell running that you want running to still be a performance-based pursuit at that time. One thing you're willing to do starting very soon here in order to make that a reality. Um, I think it's clear as, clear as day here. Uh, running, I promise, I promise you that I will, in the next two weeks, will reach out and get the ball rolling with the help that I and the guidance that I seek or feel is best to foster our health and competitive relationship moving forward. I will put the ball in motion um, and start that that next step for us in the next two weeks. Running accepts that. Mm. But running's a smart gal. And she knows that the ball rolling eventually needs to be kicked through the goal. Oh, yeah. And she just asks that you come up with an accountability partner for that. That once the ball's rolling and the initial outreach has been made that there is immediately a second goal that puts into place a date on the calendar for beginning the actual process. Okay. You want that date? No. No, I don't think that date can be can be chosen at at random. It is get the ball rolling, but then as soon as possible have a date in the books. Because you know how we are. We need a calendar. We need it in the log. We need the race on the horizon. And I don't think it's any different for rehab. Yeah. For, for physical ailments, getting the ball rolling is a start, but cementing a beginning date is key. That's fair. That's fair. Are you going to be my accountability partner? Well, I certainly would be, 
but I, I'd like you to make sure that that's not just like you weren't needing to come up with an answer on the spot earlier. I don't think an accountability partner is needed on the spot either. I think it mm-hmm. needs to be someone that that you deliberate on and choose. And it could be running. Running herself might be your partner on this. She'll know. Could be me. It could be someone else. I'm costly, but mm. sometimes having a little skin in the game is what you need to in order to push the damn button. It's true. When daddy pays for personal training, they don't seem nearly as invested when daddy doesn't pay for personal training. Ooh. Yep. I see that time and time again, Bracken. I feel like this was worth my money. Thank you. I truly enjoyed our session together. Good. I don't demand another session, but I hope to see you at some point. This was enjoyable for me, and I enjoyed watching you unpack a little bit. And I think we got, you know, we got a little bit still to work on on your end as well, so maybe we'll have to go a, a split-rate session coming up here. Oh, that would, that would be exciting. Mid-session wardrobe change and all. Ooh, next time I'll, I'll be prepared for the occasion. You did just fine today, Kurt. Thank you for coming in. I appreciate it. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Do you want to leave it at that? <laughs> I, mean, I think we, we have to. <laughs> Did that go where you expected? <laughs>